How's everybody doing today? You're alive. You're good. Well, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, Does anybody remember what that is? Uh, If you're not familiar, this is a a time in in the church calendar where we we remember uh, this event, this this week before Jesus' crucifixion, where actually he was welcomed, right? He was praised. He was welcomed. They rolled out the red carpet for him, right? And they praised him. And I think really because of their expectations, because of their preconceived ideas of of who the Messiah should look like, how the Messiah should act, what the Messiah should do, that very quickly in the course of a week, they changed their their cries from, from praises and celebration to condemnation and and just yelling to crucify him. And this morning, you know, I, I'm reminded, um, I'm reminded that that's me too, right? There's a lot of times in my life where one, one day or even one moment, I'm I'm praising, saying, "Hosanna, glory to God! Wow, Jesus, you're awesome!" And then something happens. It doesn't go as expected. Things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. And that attitude changes. You say, man, forget you, Jesus. You're dead to me. I'm going to do my own thing, right? Sometimes it's a, it's a moment-by-moment daily battle, right? And because of that, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so encouraged by, by what we're going to get into today. Because this is truly a message about grace. This is truly a message about what Jesus brings, about how he's able to transform our lives, to give us a new hope, and how our lives are radically changed because of that. So let's pray. Lord, this morning we... We come before you and we thank you, Lord. We remember the journey that you went on, the the road that you traveled in order to save us, to show us love. Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for you. Today as we as we get into your word, as we listen to as we listen to your truth, Lord, it's my prayer that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what you have to say this morning. Let it all be for your glory and your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, today uh, we are continuing in our year-long uh, kind of series of uh, the Gospel of Luke. And, and we know that Luke is, is, in fact, it's actually a writing from Dr. Luke. And he's writing to his friend Theophilus. He's telling him all about this man, Jesus, about his life and, and you know, what happened and, and who he is. And, and really uh, gives such an amazing picture of, of what happened in Jesus' time on the earth and, and how People were called to follow him, what that meant. 
And uh, today we are finishing off uh, Luke chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, We'll be in 36 to 50 today. Uh, But this is the last portion of chapter 7. And and chapter 7 has already been uh, just an amazing chapter with with many, uh, many different encounters with Jesus. And, uh, you know, in this, it's interesting because I'm going to ask you at the end to, you know, this coming week in your weekly challenge uh, is to read through this again, read through the whole chapter. But but in that, it's it's really amazing because we really see these three things of faith, hope, and love. If you remember, we had this centurion, his faith amazed Jesus, right? It, it amazed Jesus. And then we had um, just this hope, this hope of, of life's transformation and, 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 and continuing to see how as love moves us. So uh, just kind of pay attention to those things. But today we're in, in Luke seven thirty six, And let's just start there. You could read along with me on the screen. It says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now the Pharisees, they were a group of religious leaders. They were highly respected by the people. They were like the heroes of the community, right? They were these pillars of faith, these these men that they lived these outstanding lives that that they really were were holy in the sense that they followed all these laws right they had this biblical knowledge and they were a relatively small group they kept in good communication with each other and by this time in Jesus life you know they had already made a decision about him right that that they did not like him that he, they were were not uh, on board with his teaching. By this time, you know, John the Baptist was also in that category, and uh, they didn't like either of these. When John was preaching out in the wilderness, they w- did not receive him. They did not get baptized by him, right? They just, you know, pushed him out. And, and, and actually, last week, we saw that that was one of Jesus' criticisms of the Pharisees was that, hey, when John came, you rejected him for these reasons. Now, I'm here, rejected me for the opposite reasons, Right? You guys are, are acting like children that nothing pleases you. You're just doing it to kind of be a pain, right? And uh, the Pharisees, they did not like what John and Jesus were preaching. They were not just calling out people for obvious, externally visible sin, but also for the inward, the hidden sin. The Pharisees did not like that finger of guilt pointed in their direction, right? Now, we don't know why this Pharisee invited Jesus to his house, uh, but it seems that his intentions were probably not good. Uh, And we'll see that, uh, well, we will perceive that as we get into this uh, scripture. But, But one thing that I wanted to take some time this morning to focus on is hospitality and customs, because uh, this is something that we're probably not all familiar, or all of us are not really familiar with this. Uh, but in that time and in that culture, um, you know, just like in our culture, there are these known kind of norms for hospitality and interaction with each other. And, you know, being that it wasn't like our cities where you can walk into a 7-Eleven, get a water, or, you know, those kind of things. Like, People could actually die out there as they're traveling from city to city and in the desert, and, and it's just some treacherous regions, right? And, and so there's this understanding that if a stranger comes to you, you got to take care of them, 
you know, provide them, you know, food, water, shelter, so that they can be replenished, restored, and go on their way, so they don't die, right? And, and out of these years of, of that tradition, then, uh, you know, we understand that there's a high value in taking care of guests and taking care of strangers. In Genesis 18, uh, we see an encounter with Abraham. This is one of many of these types in the Bible where, where we see strangers come. Uh, but in Genesis 18, you can read along with me in that. And it says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, where he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord... Do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham turned into the tent to Sarah, which is his wife, and he said, Quick, he said, Get three seahs of finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice, tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. So there's this high value, common understanding of what it means to to act properly, to be hospitable. And, and there's this idea that, you know, if you're there and these guests come to you, that's God. He's, he's brought these guests to you. So you should be joyful. You should be honored that God is bringing these people to you, right? So a few things about, uh, that we learn from Abraham in this is, is that he greets them. He bows on the ground, Right? For us, that's kind of weird. I mean, even if in like a Japanese or Asian culture, we understand some degree of bowing, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll bow. You know, I don't even know why sometimes. Just oh, hey, bow, bow, right? Just be sure, right? You don't know, and I don't know, am I supposed to be that bow lower? Am I supposed to be really low, right? But this, this is on the ground, completely on the ground, laying down, in front of the person, right? And that was kind of this uh, signifier that, hey, completely, I'm at your service, right? And it was understood that, that when, when you had a guest, when that guest was accepted in, under your care, that guest was treated like you would be, right? They were like the Lord of your household, and you were their servant. You were there attending to them, right? This is uh, mikasa esukasa. Literally, make yourself at home, right? That, hey. And we see that in Abraham's response. He says, you know, he addresses them as, you know, hey, you know, will you stay, please, my Lord? And he refers himself like, let me, ser- I'm a servant. Let me serve. You know, all this type of, you see that. It's like, I'm here to serve you. Second thing is that he helps them wash their feet. He, he gives them, uh, provides them with a way to wash their feet, right? In this time, there's no paved roads, 
No street sweeping on Tuesdays between 8 and 12. It's dirty. Anything you can imagine, right? Animals, humans, whatever, trash. It's just on the ground, on the path, right? And so they're walking through this in their sandals. Dust is kicking up. Um, it's dirty. And because of that, the feet were always uh, kind of, you know, just uh, the dirtiest part of them, right? They're always like that and kind of gross. And, and because of that, feet were also seen like in that way, like, oh, it's kind of gross, your feet, right? And how they would do things is, is uh, you know, I, I imagine like if I go to a nice uh, sushi restaurant or something, they have like a tatami room and, and you can go there and kneel uh, on the mat and eat, um, not in a chair, right? But that's kind of like they would have these mats and they would lay on the mat and then that was this nice clean area and they would eat there. And so you can imagine that if you're walking and, and you've got all this stuff on your feet, you're not going to go onto your nice clean mat that you roll out or that's already there and bring all this stuff onto there, right? So you would take off your sandals, you wash your feet before you get on. Um, I, I, you know, just like uh, if you've ever gone to the, the beach with kids, um, you know, we lay out a nice towel, and you know I'm going to be laying out on the towel. And what do the kids do? They come running on or running through. And, and when the kids were young, I said, what are you doing? You look it. You kicked up all this sand, you know, and just sweep it off. Or, you know, and, and it's just like, ah, oh, don't get it all over the mat, right? This is why, you know, Moses, when, when if you are familiar with the story of Moses, when he encounters God in the burning bush, and he's instructed to remove his sandals because you're now on holy ground. This is a sacred place now. It's not like something changed. Like it's just God's presence made that holy, right? And so there's this idea of that I'm entering into this place that is set apart, that is clean, that is pure, that is. So I need to remove the dirtiness. And the last thing about that is he takes care of them, right? I mean, he, he feeds them, and it's not like, hey, Sarah, get the leftovers from last week. You know, I didn't really like it. Let's get rid of it, right? It's like, no. Fresh bread. I'm going to go out and, and get the nice, the, the good, tender meat, and let's cook that up, right? It's this real, this, this high value of, you know, I'm going to make this person feel like this is their home. They're here, like they're my guest, right? Um, I'll do this because my brother Gary is here, not my real brother, my brother from the same father with another mother. <laughs> Heavenly Father, right? So, so it's, it's a weird <laughs> thing. But hey, if you could stand up, Gary, you know, this is always um, this is not scripted. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, we have our customs too, right? And sometimes they're confusing. Like if I saw a Gary on the street... I said, hey, what's up, Gary? How you doing? If I put my hand out, he's going to shake it, right? But some guys, you say, hey, what's going on, right? They go like this, and then just like a slap, and then are you going to, right? It's like confusing, right? Like, are you going to slap and then fist bump? Or are you going to do all this stuff? Like, what, what's going on, right? You, sometimes, you know, I had a, this past week, I, 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 you know, I was with somebody, and then they're like, hey, man, what's up? And, and I went like this. At the same time, he went like this. So I went like like, and I was like, oh, man. And then we did the opposite. And then I was like, dude, this is like, this is weird. Let's just, you know. And then we're like, all right, hey, man, hey, hey, right? And it was good. But if I saw Gary and Gary put his hand out, and I was like, yeah, man. Come on. 
Gary, you're Can supposed you to be sitting. Hey, hey I, I'm talking here. Come on. I got the mic, right? So take. So you guys would be like, man, what's up? That's kind of weird, right? So we have our own understanding of what's proper, right? The other thing is, is part of the greeting, you have the bowing, right? But another thing that's common is um, a kiss. Uh, Christians are instructed to greet one another with a holy kiss, right? And that was not abnormal for men to, to greet each other and to exchange a kiss. And, and it was, I won't do that, Gary, don't worry. Don't worry. And my wife's not here, so I can't do that. So they would see each other, put a hand on the shoulder and come and kiss the cheek and then on the other side, and, and that's normal, Right? Judas met Jesus on the night of his betrayal, and he kissed him. He greeted him. He said, what's up, Jesus? <sighs> right? This, this greeting, that was normal. Now, in, in, I mean, we just talked about all this as like seeing strangers. We get a little bit of that as when we see friends, we would greet them, people that we know, Right? Um, but when we have guests, like in this situation, Jesus invited to have a, a meal with this Pharisee, right? This was something that, um, to give you an idea, this is a, a public affair. When they have these meals, um, it is something that everyone would be able to see, right? It was kind of maybe in a courtyard or an open place. And, and um, in, in fact, it was normal for people, even lower class people or of different lower occupations, whatever, to to come and go and to come check out what's going on, you know, at this meal and what the conversation is. And, and they were free to observe that. And so as they're having a meal, then people are kind of gathering around. And, and you can imagine these towns are, are, are much smaller. It's not like our cities, right? So everyone knows what's going on. They've probably seen it. They come check out what's, what's happening. And so this is a public affair, Right. So if you had two kind of famous people and they're having dinner, you can imagine, hey, I'm interested. What are they talking about? What's the conversation like? Right? I, I want to come check it out. I want to stop by. I want to see what's going on. And, and so they had these public dinners, right? Remember when Jesus was accused of like, oh, he even eats with the tax collectors and sinners, right? It's not like they were in the restaurant in a, a private room in a booth and nobody can see, right? They're, they're visible, Maybe even the conversations were, were totally, you know, hey, we could hear everything that's going on. It was not uncommon for people to be coming and going, right? And even for these kind of, uh, if, if you would, lower class or, or uh, you know, lesser trades people to, to even be invited by the Pharisees to, to come and have a meal from time to time or to come and, and, and be the guest, um, there was normal interaction like this. Personally, I, um, you know, this is where I say, hey, this is my own kind of thought, and you can draw your own. But personally, I, I even almost want to believe that it was out of this observation in this, in this town, that, that out of this observation, as everybody sees what's happening, observes interaction between uh, this Pharisee and Jesus begins to listen in on the conversation that maybe the woman that we'll read about next, that maybe she saw that too. Maybe she saw, hey, hey, this is, this is how, how Jesus is being treated. This is how Jesus is, this conversation he's beginning to have. This is what's happening. And maybe she runs back home and, 
And then that's where we find her here. Luke 7, verse 37, it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. We learn that a, a sinful woman comes to visit. We don't know what her sin is. Although when a woman is labeled in this time as a sinner, you can almost always assume that that is because she's a prostitute, a known adulterer. You know, it, it is someone that is known by their sin, right? And the whole town, everybody knows, hey, that's who that is. Some people have tried to say this is Mary Magdalene. I don't personally think so because I think that Luke would have said that. He would have mentioned that this is Mary Magdalene at that time. Instead, she's unnamed. This is also probably a different encounter than some of the other Gospels where Jesus has a meal with uh, another Simon, Simon the leper. Uh, Simon is a very common name. So, so anyways, this is a, a encounter with a sinful woman, a known sinner, and she comes and she visits Jesus, right? And this time they didn't have like showers like we do. Like I'm always yelling at, at one of my children, my, my son, like, when's the last time you took a shower? You know, when's the, you know, hey, go right now. You know, it's like, come on, every day, every day, right? And, and this was not a daily thing for them to just like, hey, let me get in the shower, right? So they would maybe pour out water, use a cloth, these types of things. But it wasn't like, hey, let me go turn on the bath every day and relax, right? Um, so you can imagine being in the sun, they're sweating, all this stuff, you know, perfume, fragrance, oil, scented things. That's normal, right? It, you want them to use those things, right? Because it, it really masks, it changes the smell. And this woman has an alabaster jar. It's a, a very common thing for holding in perfume. It's oil. Uh, it was sealed at the neck, and, and they break it off usually when, when they're going to use it. But they found, you know, archaeologically, they found many, 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 many uh, of these vessels, but these alabaster carved vessels. This was something of very high value. Very high value in a lot of it, right? But one last cultural thing before we continue, is that women in public were supposed to keep their hair up. To let down the hair, that's a private thing. A woman in public at that time with her hair down was a sign of, of looseness. It was, it was something that was really looked down upon. It. And some rabbis even said that, hey, if a man's wife is, is out there with her hair down, that's, that's okay to divorce her for that. So we keep those things in mind. Verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And I almost think that, that you know, Simon, the Pharisee, he, he has this opportunity if he wanted, he could be like, man, Jesus, wow, you know this woman already? Like, is this, you know, 
Is this your girl? Like, what's going on? How are you so f- familiar with her? How is she there at your feet? What, you know, but it's not even a line that he crosses. Maybe it's out of respect. Maybe it's just too far that he's, instead of assuming, hey, yeah, Jesus must know her already. He says, oh, he must not be who he thinks he is. He must not be a prophet. He must not have that connection to God because he must be just be naive. He just must not know who this woman is. Because if he knew who this woman was, he'd probably kick her away. He'd be rebuking her, you know, just like, get out of here. Don't touch me, right? If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus knows his heart, and he says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. And Jesus says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? And I think Simon has kind of a, almost like maybe a kind of sarcastic response, like, oh, Jesus, what do you think? That's a pretty easy one, right? He says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt, uh, forgiven, right? And Jesus says, yeah, good job. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Now, in that example, I think it's so simple that even we understand it right away, right? That, of course, the one that, was, that owed the more money that was forgiven, they would probably be more grateful, right? More appreciative, more moved by the action of, of that money lender. A denarii was like a day's wages. So you can imagine whatever you make in a day, except that that was exactly like pretty much what you needed to survive that day. So, for someone to owe 50, they can't repay that. Because every day they're getting one, they're using one. Getting one, using one. getting Right? Unless, like, somebody actually gives them an act of grace and gives them money, like a relative friend, or they get lucky. Something happens, right? I mean, there's no way. Whether it's 5, 10, 50, 500, they just can't get past that. They're always stuck in that debt, Right? And so for 50 or 500, and 500 is just crazy, right? That's over, that's, you know, 500 days work, right? It's just totally, totally, you can see how crazy that is. And Jesus tells them, hey, that in that situation, both of those people had unrepayable debts, and they're both forgiven, but you can guess which one was more grateful, right? 48, verse, uh, verse 48 says, Then Jesus 
said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this one who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now let's be clear, in this whole example, uh, what has happened is it's not that because this woman uh, in humility came and washed Jesus' feet and did all this stuff that, that she is, is saved, right? that she is forgiven. Um, in, in verse 47 where it says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Right? It's the evidence of that forgiveness. It's because she has been forgiven. Because she realizes that she's been forgiven, that she has acted in this way. And so you go back with me to verse 37. It says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Again, do a little imagining with me. I picture this woman... She's come to faith. Maybe she has heard Jesus. Maybe as she's lived in that area, she heard Jesus' message. She saw these miracles that were happening. She realized that, hey, that's me too. That's me too. She had faith that that, that Jesus is the Messiah. And out of that realization, she sees Jesus. She sees, like I left Gary hanging, she sees Jesus is publicly left hanging by Simon. That all these things that we know are so important have been kept back from Jesus. As Simon has taken him in as his guest and publicly kind of humiliated, publicly kind of just disrespected him, publicly, you know, brought this thing in front of everybody. And I think that maybe she was moved by that. She was like, man, he's, that's wrong. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do that for him. At least I can do these things. I can bring this oil that I have, this, this priceless oil that is, is, is so many days' wages. This precious thing of mine, that when I put that on, it wipes away all the other smells of life. And it's just this beautiful fragrance. I'm going to anoint him with that because he deserves that. You know what? I'm going to come before him. I can at least do that for him. And I imagine that as she came near him and maybe was trying to quietly wait for the right time when it wouldn't be too weird for her to kind of bring this out and, and, and Jesus is laying there with his feet away from the table because, again, the feet are gross, right? And his are dirty still. So he's kind of laying there with her mouth and, and she's there. And I think, I like to think that she just realizes who she is. And who he is. And it's like, man, I, I, how can I, a sinner, be 
in the Messiah's presence. And she begins to weep. She's just overcome. She can't help it. The Greek word says that it's like rain begins to come out, like it's unstoppable. These tears are like rain. And that as she's on the ground and pouring out these tears, and they're dripping on his feet, that she's just, everything else is a blur, and she's like, oh no, you know, and begins to, the only thing she has there is her hair. She begins to wipe and clean his feet, and, and after that, she, the feet are clean. She begins to, she's just overcome with this grateful emotion, this realization of who he is and who she is and, and where they are in this moment, and she begins to just embrace and kiss his feet. The word Luke uses for that kissing is the same word that he uses when we, when we read about later about the prodigal son and the father whose son had been gone returns to him and the father embraces him and gives him the kiss. That's the kiss that she's giving him on his feet. The feet that we would all think, oh, that's gross, right? And so she's here in this moment realizing that she's the one that has been forgiven 500. Overwhelmed. Can't help herself. She's moved by love. She's moved to a place of humility. Moved to a place of action. She's in this place where she doesn't care what anybody else thinks. She's going to show love to Jesus. She's going to act on that. Right? And that's my challenge to all of us. How, ha- you know, where are we? How have we responded to God's grace? Are we moved by his love to a place like this woman where, where everything else doesn't matter? That we see, hey, Jesus got left hanging. I'm going to take care of that. This person here got treated wrongly. I'm actually able to do something about that. These people here are hurting. You know, I can bring them some words of comfort. I can bring them a meal in their trouble. I can do these things. Moved, compelled. They're acting in love, right? All right, for our weekly challenge, and you guys can take a picture with this, or, or if you're with our emails, you'll, you'll receive it later in the week. Um, you know, our no part is to read Luke 7. Read the whole chapter. Think about those themes of, of faith, hope, love. How do you see those played out? How do you relate? How do you see yourself in each of those kind of stories and encounters uh, with the Lord? Read through the chapter of Luke. It's, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's, it's awesome. And then grow. Consider Simon and this woman. Right. Remember, in the parable, the 50 and the 500, both were unable to repay the debt. Yeah, there's different amounts, but they both were unable to repay the debt. Right? And the challenge was, which one realizes that more? Which one is more grateful? Which one is more thankful? Do you think of yourself as someone who's been forgiven a little or a lot? How does this affect your attitude towards God 
and other people. And then overflow. You know, I really encourage you guys that if you find yourself being critical, judgmental towards someone this week, like, like Simon was like, oh, man, if Jesus knew who this woman is, do you know who this woman is, what she's done, right? If you find yourself being critical or judgmental towards someone this week, make an active effort to stop and to consider today's passage, to think back to this encounter and pray to God you know, for guidance. Like, how am I supposed to act towards this person? What do I need to do to change my heart that I can, you know, really be um, your son, your daughter, as you've called me to be? Right. All right, let's pray. And team, you guys can come back up. Lord, I thank you for your word. And this Sunday, as, as we are reminded of... of how much you love us, how it doesn't matter what we've done, that you love us. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us to to really look at our life, to consider um, what that grace is that you've extended to us, that we would know how much you love us, that there is nothing, there is nothing that you withheld. That you saved us, you sent your only son to die on a cross. That you wiped us clean. That though our sins were like scarlet, you made them white like snow. Because of that, we're able to call you Father. So, Lord, we thank you. We bow down before you. We worship you today. We say, Holy Spirit, fill us. Empower us to to live the way that you've called us to live. To be your disciples. To bring hope and peace and love every place we go. For your kingdom for your glory. Together we say amen.